It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Now, this is a very novel idea and a lot of other countries are looking to Ireland going, why didn't we think of this in our last instance? And it's fair to say, I suppose, Terry, I'll start with you first. A lot of people may want to write about the awful war in Ukraine at the moment or indeed what's happening with the pandemic, but they'll be already in our history books and in paper cuttings. So is it to look more at our personal situation? Absolutely, John Paul. Um, you know, it's just from examining records of the past, you know, you, you're aware of what's going on and it's nice to see people's reactions to them. But what you really want to know is about, you want to get inside the head of the person, the personality of the person, you know, what their hopes and dreams are. And I think our lives will be so well documented in 100 years' time. You know, we've left such a digital footprint. I think what's important is really for them to know something about us personally and our own small lives, our personal history, so to speak. Yeah, and Bill, I'm sure you would agree with Terry there on that because if you came across one now from 100 years ago, you would rather know on that type of scale what was happening rather than what we know about the World War and the War of Independence and all of that. Yeah, uh, good morning, Terry. Good morning, John Paul. Absolutely, I think it's the ordinary things. It's the things that don't get recorded by, by history. Um, what, what actually matters, actually, looking at stuff that I've seen back over the years, somebody writes a note about they heard the swallow for the first time today, or they saw a swallow for the first time today. That strikes you because you then start thinking about, well, when were swallows coming to Ireland 100 years ago compared to now? You know, it's it's that ordinary thing. I think the bigger stuff is going to be recorded and it's, been, it's going to be well documented. You know, the, the, the vital statistics of when we're born and when we die, that's all going to be there in the future. But it's the ordinary things we do. You know, even things like the type of dog you have, the, how important it is in the family, or maybe somebody belonging to you died during COVID who would have been on the last six, seven, eight census returns and won't be on this one. This is your chance to write a little bit about your memories of those of those people. So it's the smaller stuff, really, that that's more interesting. I think that's my view, anyway. Yeah, and I mean, Terry, on what Bill was saying there about the swallow. I mean, you have studied previous census over the years. I mean, did you come across information like that and kind of quirky information that was recorded over the years outside of the census in, in other forms as well? And old, old letters that you would have come across. Oh, John Paul, we have fallen around the place laughing at various entries and I, I really hope that I can think of something witty enough that will have somebody laughing in a hundred years' time. Even the census records, because all you had really that was free text was your occupation. 
But some of the ones we came across were absolutely hilarious. One man gave his occupation as walking around. You knew that man straight away, didn't you? Um, <laughs> exactly. Another one filled out by the father about a daughter, you know, does what she wants. <laughs> <laughs> Which can be said but, for a lot of fathers and daughters. <laughs> yeah, but I think my favourite one, but again, just to give you an insight into how you react to these things, one of my favourite ones, we, oh God, we absolutely fell around laughing at this. So it was a big, long census record with the parents and all the children. And down at the very bottom was the mother-in-law. And she had filled in her own entry. The rest of them were in a different writing. And then occupation, minding myself. (laughs) (laughs) You can only hear the person saying that. (laughs) The wit of it. And even on a more serious note, um, you know, Father Troy, a local priest here, made some really, really, really moving remarks during the Great Famine that brought you there more than any record of death. You know, just a simple... So those personal messages, I think, really will resonate with us, with our ancestors in time to come. Yeah, and we'll we'll go through a few suggestions very shortly. But Bill, you're a well-known local historian right across Cork and you really have gone in-depth in various uh, issues and various even publications in the last number of years. Why are the census so important, especially for historians? Well, I suppose the first thing to bear in mind about previous census that are currently available, we really only have two. It's 1901 and 1911. The next census after that, I think, is 1926, and that's not out there yet. It's still covered by the Official Secrets Act. But in many cases, the census return is more or less the only record we have of an individual. We might not have their birth record um, because we don't know where they were born, and we might be lucky to have their death search. That might be findable. But what we don't know are things about how they lived, um, the kind of living conditions they lived in. You know, what did they do for entertainment? Did they dance at the local crossroads? We don't know. All we have is the bare bones of their age, their name, and perhaps who they're related to. Um, and this is where I think what the the the, um, the census has changed this time. People for the first time ever have an opportunity and are encouraged, actually, to add the bit extra, to add the, you know, the, the, the personal element to it. And um, I suppose I know in terms of how I'm thinking myself on the census, I was thinking, well, don't write anything nasty about your neighbour. It's not because they're not going to be able to read that they'll be dead by the census it becomes available. But if you start writing nasty things about your neighbours, in 100 years' time, people are going to look at that and they're going to say, Jesus, Bill Paul was an awful nasty individual altogether. You know? So you come out the wrong end of it. You come out the wrong end of it. Leave the politicians alone. They're getting enough abuse. Um, forget about all that kind of thing. Think about the small local stuff. And, you know, I, I was recently handed an absolutely amazing document that somebody wrote in 1871 called A Collection which was on History. It was a collection of his own writing, of photographs from that period, and also um, newspaper cuttings. And I just felt I'd landed on a gold mine because the stuff in that that has answered questions for me that I've had for a long, long time. And that's what's important. They were very ordinary questions that I had, but he's, he's answered them um, quite accidentally, perhaps. But when you're writing it down, you're not writing it for now. You're writing it for 100 years. Just remember that. So things that, you know, pe- people won't know the names that we all know now. For example, when I look at newspaper, when I'm doing newspaper research, you see these big local rows going on in various places. 
people don't even remember the names of the people involved in those rows. So you, you have to put it in context. This is a chance to write about you, your family, the people who matter to you, and to put yeah. that out there for the future. Yeah, because politicians that are here now, as you mentioned, politicians, they won't be around, yeah. obviously, in a hundred years' time, but they will be totally forgotten about and we'll have a whole new batch of uh, politicians and even parties, maybe, in 100 years, whatever way the world will look. I mean, Terry, you would agree there with Bill on that moment of, you know, make it more personal and maybe not just looking at the bigger picture of, of politics or anything like that? Oh, completely. And some excellent suggestions there as well. I, as I said, I think this is, and it's given me a great opportunity to think about what I'll write myself, I think it's a great opportunity to give a message to the future about who you are and who the people you care about are. You know, what's in your what's in your head. Um, and also, I, we found, you know, when people see the census records, like we had them physically printed initially, people tended to touch them. You know, they tended to touch the signature. They tend and get a tangible link and I think anybody who has the talent that can draw or or write you know that's a that's a very direct message but even you know for those not filling out the census themselves even just to for the other people in the house to write their signature or to put a thumbprint or something that somebody can touch and say oh that is the signature or the thumbprint or the drawing you know just something tangible for the future yeah, and would you include like hobbies or maybe something you're proud of? Maybe you were playing for the local J team and they won a certain match, maybe a county final, something like that. I mean, people looking back on that will then realise, oh, my, my my uncle or whoever played in that team over hope. 100 years ago. Would something like that, achievement, be, be something you could write down oh, on this? Oh, hopes, fears, hobbies, achievements, your average day. For me, what I'm going to put down is initially is what brings me joy you know what's in my head that I absolutely that lifts my heart every day and for me that's nature um, and I hope that future generations get to enjoy it as much as we do but I think it's it's even the pets in the house they're not mentioned on the census that's a big bugbear of mine I mean what a big deal it would be <laughs> to put down my beloved cat on the census she's going on this census record um, a bit about where you live anything you're proud of you know, and then if you wanted to, your personal reaction to these bigger events, COVID and so on. And I, I, I really like just so they can give them a good laugh. Give them some of your predictions for 100 years time and they'll fall around the place laughing at those, I can guarantee you. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, if you go back to the 80s, they had us driving around in the air in cars in some of the films you see now. You know, that hasn't <laughs> happened yet. They are working on it, but it hasn't happened yet. So they might <laughs> laugh at certain things we think will happen in 100 years. And Bill, and even for, for you, Terry, as well, I mean, a lot of people whom we speak to are grandparents and my owner after passing on now, but either you speak to people of a certain generation when... When you when you speak of how their lives were when they were younger, and I mean, a lot of people of an older generation look at maybe my generation and younger, uh, and for anybody in their 20s, 30s and 40s who, you know, get up in the morning, you're trying to organise childcare, you're rushing to work, many people now commute to cities, whereas a number of years ago, yes, people immigrated, yes, people did still commute, but there was less of that. And because we had so many local shops in our towns, people would have got up later in the morning, they would have worked in their local town. Uh, something like that could be included and how our daily routine is, which would be totally different in 100 years' time. Well, John Paul, one thing that I 
been very conscious of in, in recent weeks. I've been travelling through a lot of villages and what I'd call hamlets along the Blackwater Valley and the Bride Valley. The number of villages that don't have shops anymore, I'm talking about grocery shops. I'm, I'm thinking, though, for example, Kilvolan doesn't have a pub anymore. Somebody will write in and say, pub opened yesterday, but I didn't know that. <laughs> 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 don't worry, you picked up, yeah. But, you know, you, but look at how these places, the post office, the, you know, post offices, pubs, grocery shops, and they're disappearing because, of course, we're getting into our cars and we're driving to Mallow or Mitchellstown or from Oye or wherever it is and doing our shopping in the bigger towns. And the ordinary simple things that were taken for granted 30, 40 years ago in these places is gone. So the ordinariness of life, um, you know, if you think of it like this, 100 years ago, most people didn't own cars. 100 years from now, I personally doubt that cars will exist. And if they do, they'll be a very different type of machine to what we use now. You know, will will we have a better transport system compared to what we have now? What are the things that, uh, like Terry is saying, you know, what are the simple things in our in our ordinary lives that matter? For example, in, in Mitchellstown, one thing that's often struck me is that there was a huge amount of people employed in um, uh, dairy gold, in cheese manufacturing, butter manufacturing. And that, that's all gone now or at least a lot of it is gone, but nobody has recorded what it was like to work in the cheese factory or what it was like to work in the, the garage. These are the very ordinary things that matter. Maybe it's a chance for people to just say, I worked as and this is what I did every day. Yeah, and just give an insight on how life was for daily life. Yeah. That we, we live now and we take it for normal, but, you know, 100 years' time, it won't be uh, normal. They'll see that as a very, very different time. And Terry, I mean, uh, Bill touched there on the fact that, you know, cars will be a lot different maybe in 100 years' time. Uh, mobile phones weren't around 100 years ago. Televisions are, the way they operate now is changing. I mean, that'll be something to look back on, on how our technology was now. Oh, completely. And it's, it's um, even when Bill was saying, thinking, oh my God, the changes in my own lifetime. I was trying to describe Donald yeah. McCart going to the, to the creamery to my niece the other day and she looked at me like I had two heads on me. <laughs> <laughs> and that's a very short lifetime. But yes, completely. It, it, you know, if we can say, oh, my phone is my most important thing, I, they'll laugh at that. They will do. You know, it, yeah. it's... And Bill made a very important point there. Really, really important. What we identify with and empathise with is our small daily lives. And the average day of someone is never recorded. You know what people say to me, oh, are there any photographs or stories about the River Island? And I was like, yeah, but do you write a story or take a photograph of the N71 now? Mm. You know, that's what Island was in those days. So the everyday, the ordinary, people don't take any notice of, but in the future that can be an extraordinary thing. So I totally agree with Bill there. Is to record, and I think at time they will be just astounded by the amount of hours we work and how little leisure and how much commuting time, as you said, John Paul, mm. how much of our lives we waste at all of this. Hopefully they'll have come up with a much better solution in a hundred years' time. Oh God, hopefully they will. I think there's solutions now with the whole, while it's happened with the pandemic and working from home, we slowly can see people who are moving, you know, from the cities back to where they're from. You know, I, I can still have my own mates who are leaving the cities and returning back to West Cork. So, you know, hopefully it will be a lot better in 100 years. And you mentioned there about taking photos. I mean, when we see photos, I mean, Bill, you mentioned there the industry in Mallow 
and North Cork. Yeah. Terry, we will see photos in West Cork of the trains that used to travel via and through various parts of West Cork and people are stunned when they see, for example, at Gagan, just between Bandon and Clonakilty, the Clonakilty Junction and those photos of the train stopping there and how different that looks now. It's something as, as innocent and as easy as that to take a photo of, but it will look so different and so enhanced to those 100 years' time. And it's fundamental. You know, mm. these things, for, for us now, cars are fundamental. To them at the time, trains were fundamental. You know, it's, these are, it will all change. Even, you know, our cars obviously will, will as you say, hopefully be defunct. Hopefully, but, hopefully, but whatever you know, we have. When you mentioned photographs, though, mm. one thing just to mention, I run a little page on Facebook called Mitchellstown, and it's just old photographs. I put them up when I get a chance and when I think of it and all that kind of thing. But it's the comments that the photographs solicit. You know, I know, for example, if I put up um, a while back, I had a photograph of a nun that had recently died, and the absolutely gorgeous comments about that nun. But nuns are a thing of the past in most towns. And, I mean, when I was young, I couldn't have imagined that Mitchellstown wouldn't have Christian brothers and it wouldn't have nuns, um, that the, the number of clergy would be drastically diminished. But then you ask yourself, OK, the professions that are there now that we take for granted, are they likely to be there in 20 or 30 years' time? So we'll say, back along, every town and village had a postmaster or a postmistress. That's not the case anymore. Um, every town and village had a policeman. That's not the case anymore. In the smallest of places, if I think of, you know, places like Glenworth and Kilworth, they used to have constabulary. They don't have them anymore. And we know absolutely nothing about their lives. We see the official record, the newspaper report when somebody is, is arrested. But we don't actually know what they did in their normal day on duty in the police station. So these are the things that are valuable. It's just, I suppose if you ask yourself, who am I and where do I come from? And if you can define that and write that in the census, we don't have the big fancy old stuff. You know, you don't need the, you don't need, as, as we said, we don't need to hear about the politicians and all that. History will judge them. Leave that to history. But history will judge you a bit better if you can record that ordinary stuff. Yeah. You know, maybe, the, maybe there's a favourite place in a local woodland that you love to go for a walk. Why? Write about that. You know, um, th- these are the things that matter. And, and I think it's, really about kind of putting human flesh on you. Um, I, I don't trust the digital record. I'm not like Terry. I'm a bit more of a Luddite in that respect. I, I think digitized stuff will disappear. Digital photographs. Think about the photographs you have on your phones. Will those actually ever get printed? Because the only way you can be guaranteed they might survive is to have them printed. So we've never been more photographed than we are now. Yet I think the volume of what's going to be there in 100 years of photographs from now I doubt I doubt that there'll be all that much of it left unless it's printed yeah, you know? true. Yeah, and we need to print those, especially the ones that that will mean a lot to people and to families. Uh, for the moment, I suppose, to both of you, there's no right or wrong answer, but no one should leave this blank. No, no. Oh, and God, and no, by the way, just remember, they stipulate do not stick photographs or anything like that onto it. Mm-hmm, so yeah. don't. So don't put the photos on, even though you might be willing to do so. Don't, don't, don't do that. Well, the very best of luck. I mean, it's, it's something that people will have to think about and yourselves have obviously thought about it and you've given an outline there of what you yourselves more likely will, will point in your direction to write in your time capsule. I think we'll all have our own personal views, but keep it personal is, is the big thing anyhow, as you say, and bring in the likes of nature and your daily life into it. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. And as Bill said there as well, sorry, Bill, really important, I thought what you said, like what we we should be sending into the future is a message of love, you Mm. know? Yeah, true. Yeah, yeah, not, not a petty, I'm unhappy, blah, blah, blah. But just, I wish everything the best for you in the future and hopefully you've learned from our mistakes. And I think that's, that's a nice message to it is. the future. Totally it is, yeah. That we'll, and we'll end on that note, on a, on a positive note to leave yes. into the future. My thanks to you both. It's been a real insight on what people should write this coming Sunday in their time capsule section of the census. And thanks for joining us both this morning on the show. Thanks, Thank John Paul. Thank, Thank you very much. Terry Carney there, who's a local historian with the Skibreen Heritage Centre and Bill Power, a North Cork historian with St. George's Arts and Heritage Centre in Mitchellstown. And hopefully uh, that has given you an insight on in what you can write in your time capsule this weekend and this Sunday uh, in your sense. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.